That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Niagara Moon Losing my opinion You really should be scared today. This is what happens when I try to find something amusing. Because I feel like I am often too serious. Uh, and I'm jealous of how enjoyable your segments are. And then I'm just like, you know, Aww. tears streaming down my face talking about some songwriter I like. And you know what? I'm tired of doing that. I want to be the fun guy oh, yeah? uh, with the cool suit. Think you got what it takes? I do not think I have what it takes. But uh, I, I'm going to give it a try. Uh, is it all right if I go first today again? You very well may and must go first. Uh, hey, you. listener, you're listening to Losing My Opinion. I'm Niagara Moon. Full stop. Okay. I was. I didn't know there was going to be a full stop. I'm Thin Lear. Full stop. And uh, we're each going to show each other songs today. Mm-hmm. Thin Lear's up first. What do you got for me, pal? Uh, I'm not going to show you something so much as torment you with something. Uh, I'm pretty sure. How is that different than most weeks? <laughs> oh, that's so sad. I'm pretty sure that you hate this band, but <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, sometimes you you surprise me. So, uh, I've done. And we talked about this last week. I've done quite a few episodes in a row now, where I've gone in depth on artists I love deeply, uh, and I feel like I need to take a break from that. You know, it was like Karen Dalton, Labby Safri. Muswell Hillbillies. It's not easy to do that from my perspective because I worry about like not doing them justice. But from the other end of things, it's also like easy and safe because I am 100% prepared to defend them to the grave, you know? Yeah. Uh, There's nothing I'm putting on the line because ultimately I don't care if you like them or the listeners like them. Uh, I hope you do, but it's not going to like shake me to my core. Uh, But aside from Lulu, which... You know, I, I kind of knew that was going to be a disaster. I, I haven't really challenged myself to investigate a band that I passionately dislike on this podcast. And I'm going to try to do that to get today. And, and I picked the band that I think I dislike maybe the most. Oh, boy. Uh, I've been telling people I hate them for, for the majority of my life. Uh-oh. Uh, but I, I'm going to be honest with you. And, and I'm mm-hmm. going to be honest with that, uh, everyone who, who's listening who knows me. Uh I've I've never actually given them a chance, uh, hmm. which I think is kind That's of. That's unlike you. It it is. I think it's kind of whack, and I kind of feel like a fraud for not actually doing my homework. Uh, there's a reason for this, though, hmm. and I would like you to um, put up the wallpaper that I've sent you now. All right, I'm loading up a picture here, and I think it's going to be very oh, obvious. Okay, maybe yeah. why I didn't give them uh-huh. a chance. Uh, so we're sometimes open-minded on this podcast, but it really depends on our moods. I'm going to ask you to be open-minded today because that's what I'm mm-hmm. doing. I also know that as soon as you, I mean, you've seen it now and, and boy, have you seen it. Uh, a lot. You, <laughs> a lot there. You will likely recoil in horror uh, as I did. And we're going to do this live today, man. We're going to do a live experiment. There they are. Oh, shit. So the title of today's episode might be Giving Kiss a Shot. All right? This, I, I already regret sending you this image <laughs> that I now have to look at for the next half an hour. <sighs> uh, to be fair, 
I I disliked the band before I heard the music, and and I think we both know why. Uh, for starters, what are your thoughts on this band? Because I was just guessing that you didn't like them, but I don't know uh-huh. that for, for a fact. Right. Um, we're talking Kiss, mm-hmm. and uh, they are one of the quintessential mid-70s hard rock bands uh, that are actually a lot more kind of traditional and conservative conservative than you might expect. I mean, I've heard, ah want to rock and roll all night mm-hmm. which i don't think is a bad song and party every day like that's just not for me i'm not looking to have a good time when i listen to music that's just me personally but it's like it's of its era or at least that song is it's not doing anything wrong you know i could place them in kind of in the same space as a lot of other artists i don't know new york dolls that's probably ignorant i haven't really heard no, you know what I'm, you, we're on the same page here but but we, yeah, we'll dig into that. We'll we got a problem. That. We got a problem. Two words. Gene Simmons uh-huh. is uh, very, very despicable to me. Uh, yeah. If you want to Google unfavorable stories about Gene Simmons and just see what kind of an asshole he is uh, and how disappointing and cold he is to fans and just how much of a fucking merch slinging huckster that guy is, it put a sour taste on my mouth long enough ago that it's like, I don't want to dig into this i don't want to hear him talk about groupies i don't i don't need any part of this world it's not a genre i'm particularly particularly keen on in the first place and he's not he's not doing it any favors he's not helping you with fucking tongue and uh, just gross (laughs) stay away that's that's, you don't enjoy that's where i'm coming from okay no i pass on that you pass on the tongue i i always kind of saw them as and this is probably mostly gene simmons and i guess to a lesser extent paul stanley because ace freely and uh, what is it? What's Peter Chris? I don't know. Uh, they they sort of seem like um, you know in the in the background that they weren't necessarily making right. decisions. Like Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley seem like the Don Henley and <laughs> Glenn mm. Fry of the group to uh, bring yeah. in another band that you love a lot. Um, mm. So I saw them as like money hungry hacks. Uh, you know, I saw the footage of the blood spitting and the demon costumes and <laughs> Paul Stanley with the. Um, you know, really low cut spandex and yelling at people to have fun, basically, and their insane quest to turn their brand into every kind of merchandise imaginable. And brand they did most successfully, I might add. It's it's unbelievable, uh, and it it sort of seemed to me like a straight up novelty act, like a, mm. like it was pro wrestling but with guitars. Oh, perfect. Perfect analogy. <laughs> and there's, there was something, and this is what you just brought up, uh, there was something cynical about it, too. Calculated. Like they're, that they're fully aware that what they're doing is a, is a money grab, at least after a certain point in their careers. And I mean, would Gene Simmons disagree? Like, I don't know that he would based on interviews that I've seen of him. But like, I, I think of like Alice Cooper, Right, who I view in a pretty similar light, though I do kind of like that song "Billion Dollar Babies," but that's and a separate. He's, something thing. about him's likable too, Alice yeah. Cooper. Yeah. Well, why? It seems like he's in on the joke. Like he yeah. understands the absurdity of what he's doing. He gets that he's a straight-up entertainer. Like he loves Groucho. He's in Prince of Darkness. <laughs> it's a, that is a great movie, and we could just go on and on about that. That's I love that it's, movie. It's an interesting but flawed movie. Anyway, I, <laughs> that in uh, uh, in the Mouth of Madness, I love those movies. That that one's a classic. Yeah, it's a classic. Uh, but he, yeah, he, he gets it, you know, it seems like he, he's, he's doing it with a wink and his yeah. fans also don't treat him like a God. 
Right, um, and, I, and I don't think he's like soliciting groupies the same way past a certain point. Just if I had to guess, uh, it, it doesn't seem uh, as brazenly awful as, yeah. as Gene Simmons is, and I, I just don't see the same level of cynicism from him in, in yeah. what he's doing. Or I can't hear it in the music. Uh, yeah, but the Kiss songs I've heard. So you brought up uh, "Rock and Roll All Night," "Party Every Day," whatever the hell the title of that song is. I think that's they, it. All of those songs. <laughs> They kind of just sound like, and this is going to sound weird, but they sound like promo spots for a rock concert. Ooh, you know what I mean? Like like the producer of a film wrote them for the rock concert scene of a movie rather they than sound just a band. like that song that Mark Wahlberg uh, <laughs> writes in Boogie Nights, you know, where it's just ah. like, like Feel My Heat. Like it's, they sort of sound like <laughs> that. Uh, but in any case, I, I know we just talked a ton of shit right off the bat, but I went in with the goal today of really trying to challenge myself about this band. This is one of the best-selling bands of all time, of all time. So Fuck let that sink me. in. Are we wrong? Are we the ones who don't know what good songwriting sounds like? Uh, can we just not get past the fact, you know, the navel cut spandex on a bunch of 70-year-old New Yorkers? Is this, <laughs> is this our hang-up? Uh, and I know, and I want to send a message to the KISS army. I know there are a lot of you out there I'm genuinely afraid of you. you. You will probably set fire to my car or whatever. They're not listening to this show, are they? They're probably I guess not listening not to this unless I incite them. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to do that. All I'm saying up top is I'm not here to ruin your fun. Like, no. there are cartoonish and or stupid things that I love that I'll defend. But I'm also aware that they're ridiculous. Like, I kept thinking there's this Canadian TV show from the 90s that I love called Forever Night. It's about a vampire cop trying to turn good, and I and I love it. Uh, I love it a lot, but I won't try to defend it. Trying to turn good, he's already a cop. He's already on the side of the law. Yeah, but he's still drinking blood, you know. So it's okay. It's it's complicated, but it's it's technically all cops are bloodsuckers. It's technically bad. It's technically a bad show, but it just pulls me in. And I know there are some Kiss fans who feel that way. You sort of get the absurdity of it, like they love the whole package. But I know there are others who think they are artists of the highest order and have no idea what I'm talking about when I say guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those folks definitely should probably turn the podcast off. Um, but I, I, get, I get loving the whole package. It's like a big cartoon. It's like pro wrestling. What I haven't understood, and this is what we're going to dig into, are Kiss fans who are in it for the music. Um, that has been a stumbling block for me. Because the the bigger the big songs that I have heard, um, I just don't dig. So like, what I've done today, mm. uh, I've pulled out the top Kiss songs aggregated from like ten different articles from okay. Kiss fans and and uh, various periodicals of of uh, you know of, of name value. Um, and I've, I've taken out the top songs and, I, and I've, I've got, done away with the ones that we probably know. So I did away with Rock and Roll All Night, which I hate. Uh, Shout It Out Loud, which I hate. Uh, I Was Made For Loving You, which I hate. Uh, and also Beth, which I hate. Um, now, Detroit Rock City, I also took out. That song is not bad. Uh, I feel like the opening riff is kind of cool, but the vocals are just like very uh, yelly. Um, and as we learned from talking about Animal Collective, you will not stand for yelly vocals. Will not stand for yelly vocals. Do not like the yelling. Um, I, I guess what I want to figure out today, like, is this a band that could just be listened to on headphones and enjoyed? Or do I have to feel the heat of Gene Simmons blasting me in the <laughs> face with a fireball to understand it? Like, they had a period where all they did was stop painting their faces and everyone was like, hey, can you guys cover your faces again? We need that. So, so it seems like 
they need the bells and whistles for the music to be yeah. enjoyed fully. Um, but we're just going to listen to the songs. And even when I was finding the, you know, uh, uh, I'll do an inside baseball thing for the listener. Like we, we use YouTube parties to, to listen to the songs. I did not choose the videos because I knew we would immediately start judging and hating. So I just picked the audio itself. Oh, good. Thanks for looking out for me. Um, sure. So Kiss fans, I'm sure I've chosen all the wrong songs to listen to, but these are the ones from that are the most prominent online, best of lists, top on Spotify. Um, so you go cannibalize your own here if, the, if there's some kind of problem. Um, there's also a bunch of others I could have gone with, but these seem to show up the most often. So let's just get started. And, and I want to listen to a, a handful of these songs. And, and uh, you know, let's see if we can change our own minds today. And, um, you know, stop being so close-minded about this extremely popular band. Well, uh, let's give ourselves a pat on the back for this effort. I think we're really swell for Oh, for I, always, I always do. Um, what, what song are we listening to first? Now, we're going to start with a song called Strutter. All right. Which is not a bad, uh, like, 70s rock song title. No, you know? nothing objectionable yet. Um, I also will say... Uh, a former drummer of mine, a fantastically talented player, Brian. Shout out to Brian. I know him to be a Kiss fan. He uh, he's has pretty impeccable taste about a lot of 70s music. That's really his sweet spot. Um, there is a Kiss album or two that I think I remember him speaking pretty fondly of. And I think it's just, this may or may not tie into uh, my segment for today, but I think it's just you have a certain era you get enough talented people involved. If the songs are half decent, there's going to be something there you might like, you know, regardless of the uh, the visuals. Or I right. suffice to say, I'm expecting going in blind here. I'm I'm expecting to at least get a little something out of these songs. Okay, I'm glad that one of us is listening to <laughs> what I said and opening their mind. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Wait, this is just the Rolling Stones. Which Rolling Stones song is this? Oh no, it's uh, David Bowie. It, it is, it is similar to Watch That Man from Aladdin. Same, yeah. Here is this? Does it say? 74, so actually around the same time as Aladdin Sane. Yeah, this is this is like an outtake from Aladdin Sane. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's like if you took all the interesting qualities out okay. of that album. Alright. But you just had that like glam rock fuck you attitude still. That you, you sort of took the words out of my mouth. Like, uh, for starters, I'll say that's a bit better than what I was expecting. Um, still ain't good. It, there's still something missing for me. Like, there, there's some bit of eccentricity that's not there. Yeah. Like, basi- it's, it's basically a glam kind of sound, but without the glimmer, right? Mm. Like, why do I like the New York Dolls or T-Rex? Yeah, but but not. I don't love this. So what's the difference? It's not just the marketing, because like I'm just listening to the music right now. 
Uh, but that riff is, is interesting. The, the melody is not bad on the, the verses. It's kind of cool. It's confident. Uh, yeah, it's fine. And I, I don't, I, d- I definitely don't hate that song. I hate um, the picture I'm looking at right now. I'll tell you that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have sent you one that was less uh, difficult, <laughs> difficult to work with. But um, okay. So you know what? Not a bad start because I, I didn't hate it. Yeah. So let's let's move on to the next one. I'm going to do kind of a rapid fire thing here. Yeah. Because we are definitely not listening to longer than 30 <laughs> seconds of each of these. Uh, what's the next one? The next one is called Heavens on Fire. Don't love that song title as much as the last one. Heavens on fire. Okay, here we go. Oh, man. I hate those vocals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just... Okay, yeah. This is like, we have Rolling Stones at home. Rolling Stones at home. This is not even Rolling Stones. This is like uh, Poison or something. ACDC? Uh, even more hair metal than that. This was recommended? This is one of the songs that people say is one of their top songs. I guess I should shut up and listen for a second, too. But... Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be around this. Yeah. Oh, here's a chorus. Ah. Okay. All right. I think we know where that song is going. Uh, that, so every, forget everything I just said. So when I think of Kiss, this is the sound I think of. Like more than the last one, which sounds like um, yeah. comp- competent, uh, somewhat gritty. Like it's not like like overproduced or anything like the strutter of the song we just listened to. Had a little yeah, flavor yeah. to it. There was, you could hear people playing the song. Uh, this is the sound that I was thinking that they were just, you know, in, in totality was this kind of sheen. It's basically hair metal uh, to me. I mean, it, it is kind of like that Boogie Night song. I think he said, feel my heat at one point. So uh, It just feels like, like any band from that era could do something like that. Like, just wasn't everybody fucking making songs like this? Maybe. Am I wrong on that? It just well, feels they, so but disposable. They weren't, uh, they weren't spitting blood into the first row, though. No, 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 that's what Kiss did wisely, is you get the, the marketing in there, you do the movies and the lunchboxes and the recognizable look, and they got the logo. Yes. That's all well and good. Uh, congrats to them for, for nailing that down. But musically, it's like, I feel like bands like this were a dime a dozen in the 70s and 80s, but maybe I'm, I'm, I'm ignorant to that. The, I'm not loving, like, the riffage. Yeah, you know, like I feel like the riffs, the riffs could be bigger. Feels like they just wrote it in fifteen minutes, and they're just like, "All right, more noise." I don't know. More noise. Well, speaking of more noise, let's move on to the next track. Uh, This next one is called "Deuce," which I assume refers to uh, taking a taking a dump. (laughs) I'm just gonna guess. Uh, But this is this song is actually from the same album, which is their debut that Strutter is from, which makes me feel like we might like it. Early shit. Yeah. Yeah. I like, like the it. early shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're real kiss hipsters over here. Um, all right, here we go. Deuce. Fucking Rolling Stones again. Though. It it sounds very uh yeah, it's like Mick Taylor y, Keith Richards y. Nick Ronson. Yeah, back to the Latin same thing. I just expect Bowie to come in here. This guy's not Bowie. No. 
I'll tell you what. This song and Strut, Strutter, if I'm playing pool at a bar and this song comes on, I, I don't have no problem. I agree with you completely. That song is mm. not, it's not, that chorus is, I don't love, but that, uh, I don't, I don't mind the, that song. I don't mind Strutter. It sounds more like lo-fi than I was expecting right. from them, just like it's, the other one. It's like whoever engineered this, the studio that they recorded in and the people that worked on it for them definitely have worked on albums that we love. It's, it, it feels like that, right? Yeah, like they, there's something that cool that could have happened there. It's closer to that first tune and aesthetic. It's still really basic and it still sounds like, um, it's a fine rock tune. It's a fine rock tune. Uh, Good drums. Maybe we're just okay with their early albums. I mean, it's really, it's really dumb, but it does the job that it aims to do. And like, if I'm 16 yeah. and like first discovering Led Zeppelin or whatever, like I'm probably going to like this. Alice Cooper's definitely better. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's, there's something, even in his music, there's something that's slightly more interesting. Yeah. School's but it, out. But this doesn't even touch like what Mick Ronson and Bowie nope. do or, or Mark Bolin or anything like that. It's got no personality. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just, there's something that's, that's not present here. There's something interesting that's not present. So let's listen to now. I, this song is now got sounding another one. <laughs> kind of familiar. We just have, there's just two more, I swear. All right. It, but it, what I was saying, it seems like there's a division in their songwriting where it's like there's the glam side of it and then there's like the hair metal thing. And I think when it gets to the hair metal period. Oh, yeah, I tap out. We time. both tap out. Yeah. So I don't know what, where this is from. I think we'll know from the snare drum what era it's from. Uh, but here we go. This next one is called Lick It Up, which oh no, Bro. Uh, is one of the more spinal tap sounding song titles like my love I've pump what are we doing ever here? Heard. i mean jeez it's almost exactly that right i Except also want to say it is raining the bejesus out of outside right now like if you if you hear uh rain hitting my ac sorry it's it is uh, quite the summer storm that's just the gods of thunder getting mad at you for talking shit about kiss all right here we go so. uh lick it up i don't want you to say that yeah <laughs> I don't want to be listening to it. You look it, it up. up. <laughs> here, here we go. We're going to start looking it up. Here we go. This one's got a little swagger to it. Are you like this? I don't like it, but you're you're like destroying my sense of what is good at this point so i have changed your mind then here's what you do with this song you have uh danny mcbride come back for a new season of eastbound and down kenny powers okay this is the song you play for kenny powers arrival i just i want to see like a pompous asshole make their entrance to this song sure oh, okay all right it's obscene yeah that one's rough uh, that was my least favorite <laughs> one so far. I don't know. Uh, I think I like that better than the second one. You like? Oh, uh, still worse than the uh, the early shit. But whatever that second song was, Heaven's was on Fire. Favorite. Yeah, that, that, was, that was my that least was, favorite. That was, that was really bad. Uh, all right, so we're gonna listen to this is the last one. I swear. All right, thank God. Uh, this song is called "I Love It Loud." Um, I, this looks like it's in between, like it's uh, it's pre full on hair metal sound. And by the way, if people have problems with me calling this hair metal, like, uh, then what would you call that, what we were just listening to? 
Like, what is that genre? Face paint metal. Face paint metal. Tongue metal. All right. I love it loud. Uh, oh, by the way, like when, when bands have a lot of songs talking about like the sound of the music or they have the word rock in the title, like, isn't mm. that always like a turnoff? Yeah, they're, that's what I mean. Like they're, they're not giving you, see the great thing about artists like Bowie, T-Rex, to a certain extent, classic Rolling Stones, they give you a little twist of something. They give you a little, a little something unexpected, a little more personality. This is just like hard rock by numbers as far as I can make out. Right. Like think about like the, like the riffs that we heard in Strutter and Deuce, which are not bad. Deuce. Like they're, <laughs> they're fine. Uh, think about like what Mick Ronson does. With Bowie, or like what Mark Mark Boland's riffs, yeah, you realize like, how awesome those guys are in comparison. Right. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. It sort of just makes me want to listen to that. Uh, all right, this is the last one we'll do. Uh, it's called "I Love It." I love Thank it loud. God. Here we go, and we do love it loud here on this podcast. Okay, kind of ugly drum sound. This is 70s frat bro music. Yeah. This is... He's like this might be the worst. Is it the worst? He's singing with his stomach. It's so male. It's so fucking <laughs> penis driven. <laughs> that seems to be the whole point of this... Uh, Bands, actually. I don't know if it's a it's genre. Uh, okay, all right. Thank God for Joan Jett for evening the score here. There's a lot of unison screaming in their songs. Like, there's a lot of like three or four dudes screaming the same thing. Uh, look, I, I hated three of those five songs. Uh, right, we, we like the early shit. It seems like I like maybe the early stuff, or I would, I, I'm not even going to say I like it. I think it's, I think it's fine. I think those, those songs are fine. Maybe if I was like 14 in the 70s, I could see myself feeling differently about this. Yeah. Like, look, I listened to like Corn in middle school. So surely, surely this is no worse. Corn, by the way, way more respectable <laughs> as artists. <laughs> right? I mean, I think it, that maybe they're, they're more interesting than this. I haven't listened to them in many years, so I'm hesitant to like stand behind that. But uh, all right. So what are the takeaways here? Early stuff, pretty enjoyable. Strutter and Deuce, not too bad. They're fine rock songs. Deuce. Like, Again, for me, thank you. There's still something missing that keeps me from like fully digging it. I think it's the vocals for me, which are like, um, they're just kind of dead, right? Like even with all the screaming, like they just sound kind of like, like flat. Like it's, it still sounds like a rock concert promo to me. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like the, the kind of performance again, that I would expect to hear in a movie that has like a fictitious rock band. And like, there's a scene where that rock band's performing in the movie, right. and somebody who doesn't really have an interesting rock career in their own right, like, wrote the song for them. Yeah. And it's just like some nobody who's just like happy to get a gig, who's doing the vocals, but they don't really have anything about them that like distinguishes them. Yeah, it's just it's it's missing pieces here. It seems like the stuff that really aligns with my preconceptions of the band is like the mid-period, later stuff. Like when they start to creep towards that really polished sound. Like that's what I was thinking when I mm. saw them. Yeah. Um, the earlier stuff does, it does surprise me. I'll, I'll be real with you. Because it's kind of, it is kind of fun in a ramshackle way. 
uh, I, I thought of them as more synthetic all the way through, and it you know it seems like that was not the case. So, so I was uh, I was wrong, and I'll admit that. But for that later stuff or, or whatever whatever's happening in the '80s, whatever you'd call that, is not fun for me. Uh, I also want to note that they have an album called Love Gun, which is the second most Spinal Tap thing that I've heard. Uh, seems like you feel similarly, Thomas. So. We are not I'm done. We are not in disagreement. I'm done with these fucking guys. About this band. All right, so I did it. I challenged myself. Uh, I don't go back on the things that I've said, but I, I'll reiterate that I understand the overall appeal yeah. of this band. It's like you know, it's like a it's like pro wrestling. It's like a big cartoon. It doesn't seem to be about the music though, and I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand behind that statement. Is that all right if I do that? Yeah. As long as we can stop talking about them sooner, that okay. works for me. All right, we're done. Uh, I just have five more, five more songs. Uh, I uh, so were those 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 tunes that we liked more. Were mm-hmm. those from like the very first album? <laughs> Man, they're literally from the first Kiss album. Both okay, of those songs. so it sort of makes me feel like maybe that record is an anomaly. Yeah, but I, I don't know enough about them to be able to, to yeah. say. But like, it's sort of ramshackle, and the production is kind of cool. Still, um, there's like a New York Dolls vibe about it. Yeah, that yeah. we both picked up on. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a good album. Well, um, we'll see what uh, folks say. I can't. Um, my curiosity has not peaked. I'll just say that. Okay. But uh, mine neither. Thank God for my segment. We're gonna mm-hmm. turn the tables now. Okay. I got to say, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a while now. I think I've been holding that on the good shit. But really? I don't know if you're ready. Are you ready for the good shit? Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, what were you doing up to this point? Are you ready for the real shit? Yeah. Yes. Are you sure? Well, I was. Now right. you've asked me so many times, <laughs> I don't know that I am. Uh, well, that's fair. Uh, I got to say, let's to, to start things off here. You know, I'm talking a bunch of shit about Kiss or whatever. Sure. I want to emphasize again, this this is sincere here. There is no quote-unquote right way to listen to music. There's no, like, the best way to understand it or to think about it. This is totally subjective. Like, sure. the definition of subjective. We're talking about literally vibrations in the air that our eardrums interpret, and then the rest is just a bunch of noise here. But... With that said... That makes me want to cover my eardrums the way you <laughs> describe that, especially when we're listening to Lick It Up. Uh, yeah, you'd be, you best protect those eardrums. Uh, there's a lot of music fans out there. All music fans are equal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the kind of music fan where... What do they like to listen to? As long as it is really loud mm-hmm. and it does not sound old. Well, no, it's, it's new and it's loud and you can dance to it or somebody else can dance to it, and it's not complicated. That's all she wrote. That's all that matters. We're good, and that's all the thought that's going to go into that. And then I'd argue there's maybe the opposite side of that spectrum, maybe people like us, where we realize all the best shit, for whatever reason, is from like 50 years ago. Am I wrong on that? I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. I can see you think it. I don't want to say it. I, I, I agree with your point about all music fans are equal because I do like even just talking shit about Kiss. 
I did kind of enjoy listening to the songs I didn't like. And I also respect the hell out of anyone who's passionate about any music. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, uh, it's fine. If somebody, uh, hey, you're engaging with art. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like it, that doesn't matter to me. It's if somebody felt nothing about music, I'd, I'd feel strange about that. But, uh, I'm just going to go based on, you know, the artists you've chosen to bring to the podcast over the past however many weeks. There's that certain period. There's something special about early 70s. How would we pin it down here? Maybe like 69 to 74? I think 68 to 75, I would say, to give us a wider berth. You're going to expand it out a little more. But, uh, you know, you know it. I know it. There's something Uh, special about that time. We're drawn to that period of time. We are. We can't help it, can we? Not that there's not a ton of good music out today and in any other decade, but... I, for lack of a better term, what do I want to call that period of music, that era, that sound? Uh, Nixon rock. It's like if Nixon's president, the music is going to fucking slap. I don't know. And how we else. are h- huge Richard Nixon fans on this podcast, so yeah. <laughs> Something about it, man. Give me a better title if you can think of it. But that fucking era, and you're expanding it out to okay, tail end of Lyndon B. Johnson, a little bit of Ford. <laughs> yeah. But you know, Ford comes in there, Gerald Ford. 75 on something happens i don't know what like the brass section gets a little cheesier there's some you know misguided synth parts disco rears its ugly head not that there aren't some great disco tracks but you get this little sweet spot don't you yes and we both have conflicted feelings about the 80s i know just in yeah, general yeah. yeah i gotta say and I, I feel like we case in point a little bit today with kiss it's like even an artist I would assume I would ever otherwise not like or have no interest in, <clears throat> Neil Diamond, something, if I hear him during this era, there's something about yeah. it that draws me in. I don't know if it's just the zeitgeist, yeah. uh, you know, just the way people recorded back then, the kind of parts people play. Yeah. Solid, Solitary Man's a great song. That's, yeah. that's a great tune. I'll stand behind that song. And I let, you know, I try to keep on top of things and listen to new shit and broaden my horizons, but this is just, this is my safe space this era um and there's only really like a couple of problems with it and the big one is that it's limited right you only got a few years in there you're talking about a very specific long ago period of music history so it's you know you run out and and then maybe Mm -hmm. you're struggling to find like the new stuff that uh was previously obscure to you right part of this podcast has been cool in that way you know i hear about karen dalton yeah we do a decent we do a decent job of that yeah i like to think so so that that's the main problem. It's just, you know, after a certain point, you're like, okay, what, what else happened around this time? Um, and then the other, you know, minor issue, but uh, comes up a little bit. Um, some of the personalities, even if I might otherwise like the music, some of the personas, some of the dudes from this era rub me the, lo- the ro- a wrong way a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have this, but like, all right. I'm not into the okay boomer hating on boomers thing so much there's one thing a human being cannot help on in this world it's the year they were born sure but i'll be damned if i see fucking david crosby's mug and <laughs> i don't get a little peeved you know he's a he's a real bad example oh god yeah uh you ever seen that interview with graham nash where he's like the problem up until now with everything is we're listening to people over 40 that's if we just listen to all the young people. I don't know if you ever seen uh, this. Clip. Yeah, I know what you're referring to, and it's and how lovely and ironic it is that uh, who are we all hating on now? Who's the generation we're all giving the stink to? Right. It's people like him. And anyway, 
this is getting long, but uh, no, I, I I understand what you're saying. I mean, and you you see those guys sort of digging themselves deeper and deeper as time goes, like Van Morrison yeah. or whatever. It's just like, please, man, I love Astral Week so much. Stop <laughs> giving interviews, please. He's so f- accidentally funny. He gets a little bit of a pass from me, but oh, it's <laughs> just because it's completely a no download act. No more lockdowns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's like, I otherwise might very much be a fan of the album Deja Vu, but I can't listen to songs like fucking Teach Your Children without thinking of these douchebags. Teach yeah. your children well. Like, is that what they were doing? Or were they just passing out the whole afternoon on Quaaludes? Like, it's just, it's is, when it gets preachy, that yes. frustrates okay, me. Okay, so like within the flower power thing, I hear what you're talking about. Yeah, Cause, yeah, cause there's flower like, power. They're like the Incense Peppermints song where it's like, okay, like this is sort of dated where it's at even if it's enjoyable it's it's stuck where it is but then there's the other sort of whack part of that where it's like these ideals that they're putting forth that seem like maybe a little disingenuous when you look back on like how they actually lived right yeah it just it strikes false to me i mean there aren't a ton of examples like this like i said it's a minor thing the other guy for me might be like james taylor um the guy undeniably wrote some classics but his for me his his catalog got so disappointing so fast. Yeah, it's sort of loaded up front, right? You know, Sweet Baby James is solid, yeah. and he just strikes me as pretty self-involved. And I I don't know, he's writing songs about him, Sweet Baby James, like Sweet Baby Me. I, I never got that <laughs> angle. Yeah, you can't you don't write, don't write about yourself as a baby. You know what I mean? Like don't come do on, that. come now. This is getting a little long-winded. What's I am my point here? Curious about where You're this is going to going land. Here. I feel like I'm, I'm, yeah, like you threw a dart up in the air, and I'm sort of just waiting. For well, where it's going. the point is, there is this lovely period of music, the the Nixon administration rock here, and uh, I have a solution to these two uh, issues I mentioned earlier, and that is the wonderful, wonderful world of Japanese music in the '70s. Whoa. Okay. So what we're gonna do here? is I'm going to show you three songs, three different artists that I think are all lovely companions um, to these, these other artists we've mentioned that, you know, a lot of them we do have a ton of affection for. Joni Mitchell, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to show you, I want to show you the good shit today. Okay. So everything before this I can disregard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. So we're going to talk about three artists today. And the first one... Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, and Ace Freely. I didn't say scam artists. <laughs> First one's going to be Sachiko Kanenobu. Okay. Uh, her classic album, Misora, I think means Empty Sky. We're going to talk about uh, Sachiko in a second here. Okay. No more lockdowns. <laughs> Such an asshole, man. It's like, come on. You, did, you wrote so many great songs. Just please stop ruining it. All right, let me get my phone. Eric Clapton is even worse, though. Jeez. Oh, I forgot to mention Eric Clapton. Because I don't even like his music, so it's... Special shout-out to Eric Clapton. He might be mm-hmm. the most hateable of the bunch, but I don't even fuck with his music beyond, like, whatever song is in uh, Goodfellas, so maybe sure. n- no issue there. Yeah, yeah, cre- Cream's okay. Cream is, yeah, Cream is good. I do really like Cream, but yes, I... And anything he played on uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps is great, but I'm not a huge Clapton fan. There she is. So we're going to listen... T- Yep. This is a great album. This is a classic. There's an okay. interesting story behind this one. So uh, a lot of people, not just me, are going to call her the Joni Mitchell of Japan. Hmm. She's pretty much Japan's first female singer-songwriter. 
this album is from 1972. Okay. Misura Hosono, my man, Mr. Haromi, <laughs> yeah. is, uh, he's playing bass all over this album, up and down. He's playing all the keyboards. Uh, he was one of the musical directors. Jeez. So, uh, so is he just, or, okay, so. Can, yeah, he's got his finger me, in a lot of pies. Is, is he just, uh, like, is it that you're just a huge fan of him or is that he is kind of involved in a massive amount of great music? Because even the, the, the small amount of Japanese music that I had heard before you introduced me to a lot of stuff, like he was on a lot of it. I would always gravitate uh-huh. towards what he Sir, was doing. Sir, the answer is both. Uh, Both, okay. He's involved with a ton of people I love, and I love his uh, music as well. Okay. He's just, he's a good time all around. Sure. So, before I talk more about it, let's let's hear a little bit of the music, shall we? Sure. This song is called Anata Kara Tokue, which uh, I believe means far away from you. Hmm. I do hear the, I hear some Johnny Mitchell there, yeah, yeah, that melody. That's great production. It's like a long-lost flower power early 70s track mm-hmm. that you never knew about, but you discovered it today, right? It's just that sound is locked in. I love that Whirly, or maybe it's a Rhodes. Uh, the keys sound great. Production is great. Got the, uh, the bongos, the congos or whatever. <laughs> yeah, some bongo action in there. It's really nice. Uh, it's, just, it's just produced uh, beautifully. That's a, that's a nice song. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah. Is the whole record of of that same vibe? Well, I'd say of the three albums I'm showing today, she's probably the most like Ted Lucas. Oh no, that um, the, her her album, like this album, is it sort of in that same vein? Oh yeah, it's it's the whole thing is it's in the same vibe, and if if you're liking the vibe, she delivers the whole way. Um, like Ted Lucas, I would argue it's a little rough around the edges. I feel like oh, you can sure, almost yeah. you can almost still hear like the childhood bedroom. Yeah, but there's a charm. There's a charm. But there's to a charm. It, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there is like one song that's eight minutes. I don't think she earns that eight, that eight minutes, but mm-hmm. uh, it's a wonderfully charming, relaxing, just beautiful little hidden gem that's uh, gotten more attention in subsequent years. It's kind of an interesting story. I didn't even know this until I was reading up on it today, but this is uh, Sachiko Kanenobu's debut album. 
But just before it came out in 72, she secretly emigrated from Japan to America to marry music critic Paul Williams, who's written for uh, Rolling Stone, among other publications. Wow. Uh, so it was released when she wasn't around, so the album didn't do anything because like, there was no artist there to promote yeah, it. Yeah, it's hard to promote. Yeah. And she didn't get into recording again until like 92. You know, she's like happily married with a family. She settled with Williams in small town California, raised two sons. World-renowned science fiction author Philip K. Dick, a Williams family friend, actually encouraged Sachiko. This guy wrote uh, what Blade Runner was based uh-huh. on, A Scanner Darkly. Yes. He encouraged Sachiko to return to music in the early 80s. He was, he was executive producer for a single recorded in 1981, but then he died uh, before he could realize his ambition to produce Sachiko's comeback album. Uh, what? So Philip K. Dick... <laughs> isn't that crazy? <laughs> ...produced a single from her that's uh completely insane what a group of what a group of people <laughs> connecting with each other and this is around the time i remember he wrote a book like a super complicated long science fiction novel where he was like this is happening in reality like i've been told that this is real like he was really having uh-huh. mental illness issues okay uh this is a little dicey and at time the same time he was also uh producing, producing kind of nobu. lo-fi folk pop okay yeah it's a small world, folks. Uh, sure. But so she then she like formed a new band called Culture Shock. I've never heard them, but kudos to her for not giving up on music and continuing to do stuff. Is she like celebrated? It's, it sounds like it sort of flew under the radar there at the time, but it yeah. sounds like maybe she's uh, getting having a kind of resurgence now. Yeah, I think people like us, especially in Japan, music listeners like us, she's definitely on the radar. Like it's the album's gotten reissued. Like I I know this from my old uh, housemate. Shinsuke introduced me to this record. So um, her legacy has not died out by any means. I dig that. I want to hear the rest of that record. That sounds really nice. Dig it up. Misora. Um, May or may not be on Spotify. I don't know. It's on YouTube. Next up, uh, we got the best song that James Taylor never wrote. Okay. Uh, Written by none other, of course, than uh, Mr. Haruo Mihosano. Again? Yep. In the uh, the happy end days, this is the song I wanted to show you when I first brought up happy end, and then all hell broke loose here. This is what oh, I really okay. wanted to show you. All right. Um, supposedly, this is in the soundtrack for Lost in Translation. I never heard it. I I don't know why people say that. I never could make it out. It's a cool movie, but uh, it's called Kaze uh, o Atsumete, which means Gather the Wind. It's from their most critically acclaimed album from '71, Kaze uh, Machiro Man. I do not kid you. This this sounds like the song that got away from James Taylor to me, but I'd be curious for your thoughts. Okay. Here we go. I don't. I mean, I, I think this goes in places he doesn't go. That organ is iconic. Like 
nice. It's really nice. I've heard this is a really hard song to play on guitar. <laughs> Sounds like it. Is this band like this this kind of song? Do people listen to this now? Music nerds do. This is a famous song. Okay. Uh, like anybody who would care about music more deeply, like this is okay. A lot of people over there know this tune. It's got a lot of Westerners watching it too on YouTube. Sure. Uh, you uh, seem ever so slightly underwhelmed. If I'm reading the tune. No, no. I, I do. I, I think I like the other songs from this this band that you showed me. I don't dislike the song. I think it's good. That's cool. That's cool. Well, it's just as well because I saved the best for last today. Okay. This is the real shit. All right. So again, again, I'm disregarding everything that I've heard. Up Go to ahead this point. and do that. Yeah. Okay. This, right. this is the real stuff coming up. I here. really like. I really like the first tune you showed me. That was really nice. Yeah, that's a banger. Um, but this coming up here is going to make Ted Lucas look like Ted Nugent. Okay, that sounds uh, like a weird transformation. But yeah. <laughs> We got Makoto Kubota. Okay. Again, this is the same era. This album came out uh, either 72 or 73. Lovely interview that I read on uh, the outlet Aquarium Drunkard on this guy. Love that site. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was super impressed with the. There was a long-form interview with him, and I was super impressed with how it was translated. And uh, He's been alluded to as the Japanese Rai Cooter, which I could oh, totally see. Oh, oh. Oh, that's, that's all I I'm, needed I'm to I'm say. Already it, on say no more. I'm already yeah. on board. I love me some rock Mm-hmm. So he's done a ton of stuff in his career. I got to admit, I have not really heard much of it or what I have heard. I'm like, oh, not really for me. But there's this one album, his first album called Machi Bolke. And again, fascinating backstory that I never really knew until like today. Um, but apparently Mr. Makoto here... Uh, he spent a lot of time going between America and Japan as a youth, like to New York and Berkeley. Uh, he came back to Kyoto, my alma mater. I sp- spent a couple years living there. He's a friend of uh, Sachiko from a couple songs ago, by the way. Okay. He visited her sessions for Misora. He uh, he got busted in 72 for uh, growing and, and uh, distributing marijuana. He's trying right. to live that hippie lifestyle back in Japan, and that is not going to fly. Sure. Yeah, he ended up doing a little time, uh-huh. but apparently he wrote the songs for this album while uh, while he was locked up. I think it was just a month somehow. I don't know. It was up there. It's a di- different different era, even different over there. Era. But yeah. but uh, this is this is this is the good stuff here. This is it's folk rock. I'm getting conflicting information on whether or not Holsono is playing bass. Some people say he does. Some people say he doesn't. Did he just like never sleep? He was just, they <laughs> just much. prop him up in the studio to play bass on every song? I, I, I think it's some other player. I didn't take down their name, but they're definitely in the spirit of Holsono. Okay. Um, so I'm going to play the title track, Machi Bulke, uh, and we'll take it from there. Mm. 
little vocal melody might have borrowed that from one of my songs no big deal you tell me if the band the band the band put this song out they wouldn't be playing this at the last waltz i was th- i heard i heard the band yeah I, I heard it in there i think this is the best song you've ever showed me The album overall is very strong too. It's not yeah. just this song. This is the best song though. What a sweet little tune, huh? That's a great song. What a great song. Yeah. I've no 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 disagreements uh for me today. Uh that tune is fantastic. God damn right. I like the other ones, uh, especially the first one. And who did the last song that we just listened to? What's so that name? was Makoto Kubota, who I'm going to talk about a little bit more in a second. Um, I also, you reminded me totally like Eichi Otaki and uh, Shigeru Suzuki from Happy End like also contributed to Sachiko's album because of course they did. Yeah, those four dudes just like <laughs> their tentacles sort of spread uh-huh. across the landscape. Um, so yeah, I was, I was telling you, uh, Mr. Makoto got busted for weed. Uh, I'm going to, this is from that uh, Aquarian Drunkard interview. I'll just read a little excerpt. Um, and that'll lead into what I learned today. Okay. In the early 70s, I was still hippie-ish. This is uh, Mr. Kubota. When I got arrested, I was placed in a holding cell. That actually gave me the motivation to become a songwriter. I was in there for about two weeks. That would not happen today. You'd be in there a lot longer, boy. Uh, the poetry I wrote at that time became Machi Bolke. That album exists because of that experience. That said, I'm not too attached to that album. I didn't listen to it for a long time, like I was too embarrassed by it. Mm. Uh, interviewer asks why is that he responds it's not it's just not interesting to me i guess i still don't listen to it people tell me that it's good so i'm like okay i guess it is uh so the point the takeaway here is artists are fucking crazy and cannot view <laughs> their own work objectively no. as i would place this way higher no respect to the rest of his catalog but this is took it to another level yeah i mean i i i think out of everything you've shown me that's the most immediate connection I've felt to mm-hmm. a song. And you've shown me stuff that I now enjoy, but the, that, that sort of took no effort on my part to really love. Yeah, I'm vindicated, folks. I got mm-hmm. a little sweaty there for a while. but <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, he... So if you want to check out the rest of his catalog, knock, your, knock yourself out. I'm more of a folky guy, so I just love Machi Bokeh. But, like, the dude had a band that at one point was, like, opening for Eric Clapton, Speak the Devil. Mm. Uh, he was in the audience <laughs> at the last waltz. He's just this oh, weird Waldo of, yeah, yeah. of uh, just cool 70s uh, music lore. So, folks, after you're done listening to Deja Vu for the thousandth time or Sweet Baby James, uh, check out uh, some of the artists I've brought to you today. Mm. 
That's a compelling case. You've presented a compelling case. Uh, so what have we learned aside from that, I think, is that um, Kiss really falls off after their first album, maybe, uh, <laughs> for us. Uh, I remember hearing something about, like, the second one is really janky. Like, there were, like, equipment malfunctions, equipment <laughs> malfunctions or something, but, like, that gives it charm. So maybe don't write off... Okay, maybe the second one is interesting too. But goddamn, Creatures of the Night on, that is just dog shit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that song Lick It Up is like oh, really painful. You gotta stop saying that. To listen to and say. Daddies don't say Lick It Up. <laughs> yeah, they, Shame yeah, on they, you, they, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt uh, uncomfortable even just like looking at the logos for the band. Like it was just, it's such a. I have such an like an immediate reaction to their, their their content just makes me I'm just not into it. It's an artifact of a different era. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, if you liked what you heard, subscribe and give us a good rating, give us a good review. Um, no, I can't really tell you how to do that, but mm-hmm. uh, it's no biggie if you can't figure it out. Um, you can always follow Losing My Opinion on Twitter or Instagram. And uh, hey, uh, I figured out how to do it. I gave us a bunch of really bad reviews already. So fuck, you know, generate conversation. You know, you really want? Oh well, that's what it was. Okay, yeah, get the get the conversation going. Get the party started. (laughs) You just hired a bunch of Russian bots. Uh huh. Yeah. To uh, instigate a division between you and I. Uh Uh, Well, you know, I said a lot of pretty uh, today. I think I was pretty feisty, and uh, I could be wrong now. But I don't think so. I don't think so either today. I think you're pretty spot on. And I think I was too. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I gotta work on those settings. <laughs> <laughs>